0: Chapter Thirty Six of Sons of Fire by Mary Elizabeth Braddon. This recording is in the public domain. Madness or crime? Days grew into weeks, and the slow, anxious hours brought very little change in Allan's condition, and certainly no change which the doctors could call a substantial improvement physician and surgeon from london famous specialists both came at weekly intervals and testified to the good fight which the patient was making and the latent power of a frame which had been strained and wasted by the hardships of african travel and which was now called upon to recover from severe injuries consciousness had returned but not reason the young man had not once recognized the mother who rarely left his bedside but whose bland and pleasant countenance was so sorely altered by grief and anxiety that even in the full possession of his senses he might hardly have known her the power of speech had returned but only in delirious utterances or in a strange gibberish which poor lady emily mistook for an african language but which was really the nonsense tongue of a disordered brain the doctors pronounced the case was not utterly without hope but they would commit themselves to nothing further than this it was a wonder to have kept him alive so long his recovery would be almost a miracle two trained nurses from the county hospital alternated the daily and nightly watch by the sick-bed and lady emily shared the days and sometimes the night's duty humbly assisting the skilled attendants grateful for being permitted to aid in the smallest service for the son who lay helpless inert and um, unobserving on that bed which even yet might be his bed of death no one but those three women and the doctors was allowed to enter allan's room mrs Warnock was very kind and sympathetic in spite of torturing anxieties about her son's unexplained absence but she expressed no desire to see allan and she seldom saw lady emily for more than a few minutes in the course of the day the whole house was ordered with reference to the sick-room organ and piano were closed and dumb and a funereal silence reigned everywhere and so the wintry days went by and rain and rough weather made a sufficient excuse for suzette staying quietly at home and seeing very little of the outer world mrs mornington took the social aspect of the crisis entirely on her own hands and informed her friends that the wedding had been deferred partly on account of allan's illness and for other reasons which she was not at liberty to explain my niece is very capricious she said i hope she has not sent mr Warnock, off to africa again exclaimed mrs roebuck such a brilliant young man with a house so peculiarly adapted for entertaining should not be allowed to become an absentee it is too great a loss for such a place as this where so few people entertain mrs roebuck's estimate of her acquaintance was always based upon their capacity for entertaining though she herself on this scale would have been marked zero no i don't think he will go back to africa but my niece and he have agreed to part for a short time at any rate she is sending back all her wedding presents this week oh pray don't let her send me that absurd japanese paper-knife i only chose it because it is so deliciously ugly and queer and i knew that marrying a man of mr Warnock's means she wouldn't want anything costly or useful no fish knives or salt cellars. well if it really is off or likely to be off mr roebuck said with a solemnly confidential air i don't mind saying in confidence that i think your niece has acted wisely the young man is a genius no doubt but he's a little bit overstrung fanatico per la musica don't you know and one never knows whether that sort of thing won't go further tapping his forehead suggestively oh das macht nicht the poor dear young man is toke only toke not fele protested mrs roebuck who affected a polyglot style ah but the mother don't you know that's where the danger comes in the mother has never been quite right argued her husband i'm not going to accept congratulations said mrs mornington i'm very sorry the marriage has been postponed mr Warnock and Suzette are admirably adapted for each other and he is no more cracked than i am and remember the marriage is put off not broken off all the more reason why she should not send me back that japanese absurdity said mrs roebuck as if the paper-knife were of as much consequence as the marriage suzette saw mrs Warnock nearly every day during that time of trouble sometimes at discombe where they sat together in the music-room or paced the wintry garden saying very little to each other but the elder woman taking comfort from the presence of the younger i am miserable about him she told suzette and that was all she would ever say of her son she had no suggestions to offer as to the cause of his disappearance she uttered no complaint of his unkindness suzette inquired if the police had made any discovery about allan's assailant no nothing or at least mrs wornock had heard of nothing lady emily may know more than she cares to tell me she said oh i think not living in your house indebted so deeply to your kindness she could not be so churlish as to keep anything back she thinks of nothing but her son she would have no mercy upon any one who had injured him her tone startled suzette with the recurrence of a terror which she had tried to dismiss from her mind as groundless and irrational no no of course not who could expect her to have mercy however hard the law might be she would never think the sentence hard enough her only son her idolized son brought to the brink of the grave perhaps doomed to die in spite of all that can be done for him suzette tried to shut out that horrible idea the hideous fancy that the ruffian who had attacked allan carew was no casual offender extemporizing a crime on the suggestion of the moment for the chance contents of a gentleman's purse and an obvious watch and chain murder so brutal is not often the result of a chance encounter yet such things have been and the alternative of a private vengeance a vindictive jealousy culminating in attempted murder was too horrible yet that dreadful suspicion haunted suzette's pillow in the long winter nights nights of wakefulness and sorrow where was he that miserable man who had won her heart in spite of her better reason and in loving whom she had seldom been without the sense of trouble and fear his want of mental balance had been painfully obvious to her even in their happiest hours and she had felt that there was peril in a nature so capricious and so intense she had discovered that for him religion was no strong rock he had laughed away every serious question and had made her feel that in all the most solemn thoughts of life and after-life they were divided by an impassable gulf on his side all that is boldest and saddest in modern thought on her side the simple unquestioning faith which she had accepted in the dawn of her reason and which satisfied an intellect not given to speculate upon the unknowable she had found that not only upon religious questions but even on the moral code of this life there were wide differences in their ideas dimly and with growing apprehension she had divined the element of lawlessness in geoffrey's character revealed in his admiration of men for whom neither religion nor law had been a restraining influence men for whom passion had been ever the guiding star lives that to her seemed only criminal were extolled by him as sublime such or such a man whose unbridled will had wrought ruin for himself and others was lauded as one who had known the glory of life in its fullest meaning who had verily lived not crawled between earth and heaven in her own simple unpretentious way suzette had tried to combat opinions which had shocked her and then geoffrey had laughed off her fears and had promised that for her sake he would think as she thought he would school himself to accept a spiritual guide of her choosing who shall my master be Suzette? shall i be broad and liberal with stanley severe with manning intense with liddon mystical with newman thou for my sake at allah's shrine and i you know the rest i will do anything to make my dearest happy anything except pretend geoffrey you must never do that mustn't i then we would better leave religion out of the question until perhaps it may grow up in my mind suddenly like jonah's gourd out of my love for you in all the weary time while allan was lying at the gate of death and geoffrey had so strangely vanished suzette had never doubted the love of her betrothed the possibility of change or fickleness on his part never entered into her mind of the truth and intensity of his affection she who had been his betrothed for nearly half a year could not doubt her fears and anxieties took a darker form than any fear of alienated feelings or inconstancy suicide crime madness were the things she feared though she never expressed her fears her father heard no lamentations from those pale lips but he could read the marks of distress in her countenance and he was grieved and anxious for her sake he too invoked the powers of the detective police but quietly and without anybody's knowledge he went up to london and put the case of geoffrey's disappearance before one of the sagest philosophers who had ever adorned the detective force at scotland yard now retired and practising delicate investigations on his own account do you suppose there has been a fatal accident or that he has been keeping out of the way on purpose he asked after all particulars had been stated An accident would have been heard of before now no doubt he is keeping out of the way have you any reason to suppose him mentally afflicted afflicted no eccentric perhaps though i should hardly call him that capricious somewhat whimsical mentally afflicted no decidedly not ah that trick of keeping out of the way is a very common thing in madness if he is not mad there must be some strong reason for his disappearance he must have done something to put himself in jeopardy impossible no 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 i can't entertain the idea for a moment cried the general thinking of that murderous attack in the wood do you wish us to make inquiries no no better not the young man's mother is having everything done i am not a relation i only wanted the benefit of a professional opinion i thought you might be able to throw some light no two cases are quite alike sir but i think you will find i am right here and that in this case there is lunacy or there has been a crime madness or crime mused the general as he left the office i can't go back to suzette and tell her that i must take her away again he announced his intention of starting for the riviera next morning at the breakfast-table but his daughter implored him piteously to let her stay at matcham it would be so heartless to go away while allan is hovering between life and death and while she left the sentence unfinished she could not trust herself to speak of geoffrey chapter thirty six